AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Two timeouts over a minute to go. Cup with an adjustment to the bottom of your screen. The other way, it is a screen with Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams gets a block. He's in the end zone. And that's a Ram touchdown. And a leap with Ram fans who made the trip to Glendale, Arizona. A lot of ball game left. Yeah. <laughs> People, you can make of that what you want. Fafita making touchdown passes. An easy one. They're going federal right now on the Sun Devils. This guy's like 7-11, open all day, 24-7. And they can win it with a touchdown. This would be a backbreaker for Buffalo fans, and this would be the pedigree of championship teams. Hurts, Hurts to the end zone, and the Eagles have won it in overtime. First down away to the three. Herbert hit by Clowney. The ball is out, and Clowney's on it for the fourth Charger turnover of the night. Corm dancing. Corm breaks a tackle to the end zone. Blake the great touchdown Wolverines. They will go and they're going to go the other direction. Oh, it's Odunze. Rome Odunze. Airspace to cover for Milrow. Still looking. Firing. Near corner, it's caught! Touchdown, Alabama! Isaiah Bond on a fourth and a mile! 31 yards, touchdown tied. White was matched up with him again. Fields climbs, Fields throws! Touchdown! One-two punch delivers! It's Fields to Moore for the lead! Dobbs taking off. To the end zone, touchdown, Josh Dobbs, doing it with his legs, again. Dial 602-260-1060, that's 602-260-1060, or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, November 27th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals and Sun Devils is their future hope. What stood out during the football week, the holiday football week, and also Rams and Vikings, uh, who you got tonight? ATS. Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 around college football with Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. 10-30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include some Cardinals, Rams, and ASU and U of A analysis. Final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup. That will be topped by from the NFL and college football scoreboard. Then after the sports zone from 11 to 1, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a review of the NFL and college football week, plus more phone call time to 602-260-1060. On to the pipeline we go. 
Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question, is there reason to believe in the alleged Cardinals improved culture? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. No, leading the way at 71% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 29%. The Cardinals' current roster resembles more like a preseason Game 3 group than it does an NFL regular season Week 12 team. They showed no life, and they have little ability, which we've talked about for months. Uh, That was all on display during the 37-14 home loss on Sunday to the Rams. Today's Twitter poll question, is there any reason to be encouraged, I should say. Should start that over, Bob. Here we go. Is there any reason to be encouraged about the ASU football program? Looking uh, forward to uh, the future years after the 59-23 loss, which wasn't that close, to the uh, to the U of A on Saturday. And Kayla, what do we have here? No, out in front, 69% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 31%. This is over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. ASU lost three of its last four games to Utah, Oregon, and, U- and Arizona by a combined score of 163-39. to and that's actually a cumulative score that is much closer than the actual lopsided uh, you know, differential between the teams. It was bad in all three of those games. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, NFL Week 12 concludes tonight with Chicago at Minnesota. Uh, who you got tonight at Minnesota? Chicago uh, plus three or Minnesota minus three? Back to the NFL holiday weekend. The Eagles rallied from down uh, double digits again. Uh, The Bills look finished. The Ravens are the top seed in the AFC heading into their bye week. And the Chargers lost another close game again. Michigan, their recent domination of Ohio State continued on Saturday. Elsewhere, Alabama received a gift win at at Auburn. Uh, Washington continued its run of close games and close wins. Uh, The final play field goal to beat 5-7 Washington State. What else caught your eye from the holiday football week pro or college? You could go back to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we'll figure out Monday tonight, I guess. All right, that's Pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a round college football at Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. We will talk about Michigan, Ohio State. Also, we'll talk about the CFP situation right now. Not much drama so far in the month of November, the first four weeks of the polls. Maybe that'll change this upcoming weekend. Maybe not. Uh, And also, we'll get into the coaching carousel, which is certainly started over the weekend and i'm guessing will continue as it usually does uh throughout the next at least two or three weeks you know the early recruiting period has really changed i think the coaching landscape and the way the timetable of coaches coming and going more coaches now being fired during the season etc 
and certainly in early December. So we'll cover all that with Pete in the next segment, among other things. The bottom of the hour, once again, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Michigan beat Ohio State for a third consecutive season. The CFP top eight has lacked drama in November, and the coaching carousel has started. Uh, we're going to try trying to track down Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com, so hopefully we can catch up with him in a couple of moments, but I'll cover some of these topics in the meantime here. Obviously, uh, Michigan has now won three straight games against Ohio State after Ohio State had won 14 of the previous 15 meetings. They didn't play in the COVID year, of course, and uh, you know 2020, but uh, they had won. Uh, you know, count the you know 14 out of 15 before that the COVID uh, you know, absence in the one year they didn't play. Clearly, the offensive line play, which I pointed out, and I've been talking about this literally all season long for Ohio State, the worst tackles that they've had on uh, one team starting tackles. Uh, since I believe the 1980s, late 1980s, after Earl Bruce had done a really horrendous job of recruiting or not recruiting, just assuming because it's Ohio State that people would come flocking to Ohio State. Uh, this is the worst two tackles that they've had, and that obviously played a big role uh, in uh, you know, the running game again, with the exception of one drive where they somehow moved the ball down the field running the ball. That's pretty much the only running game they've had, and they've now been dominated at the line of scrimmage, in my opinion, all three years in this last uh, during the Michigan winning streak here. Uh, that's been the biggest issue, I think, for Ohio State and the biggest you know, reason that Michigan has been able to win those games. Also, Ryan Day continues to change things in the offseason. Uh, in the last two calendar years, for instance, he has changed the defensive coordinator. He's changed the offensive line coach. And those things uh, seemingly have not mattered that much. Now, obviously, the defense was better this year. Uh, in Jim, Mol uh, Jim Knowles' second year, they didn't give up as many big plays, even though they gave up two touchdowns of longer than 20 yards on Saturday in that Michigan game. That's the first time that they gave up any touchdowns longer than 20 yards this season. But uh, still the big play thing is there. They also think it's a good thing to question whether they have a splash defensive player. I mean, they've got some guys that have some splash games, but not consistently from week to week. And those have been definite uh, problems for Ohio State against Michigan in each of the last three seasons now. So let's flip this to the Michigan side. What's the biggest reason that they're 12-0 and this season? 6-0 and in the games that Jim Harbaugh was suspended – uh, and I don't have a good answer for that one. Was, you know, if we can catch up with Pete, I'm sure he'll have a better answer than the one I'd have because I don't really have a good answer for that. You know, I think the early part of the season, the first three opponents were obviously non-FBS, non-conference teams that uh, they just played teams that weren't any good. And so that wasn't too hard to explain. But the last three games, 
two of the three, they won at Penn State. Well, granted, Penn State doesn't have much of an offense, but they certainly have a very good defense, and uh, they won that game. Uh, they won in Maryland, which you know, I don't think is much, quite frankly, as I've talked about for years. Maryland, uh, if, the, uh, if, the, uh, if the national championship was decided in the month of September, they'd be in the running. But once you get to November, October 1st and beyond, they're a below-average team. So that didn't do too much for me the next to last game of the season, regular season uh, for Michigan. Uh, so I'm not, but the fact that they were able to, and I don't think, I don't know it was a close score, one score, Ohio State had the ball in the final possession, et cetera, down one score. At no time did I think Ohio State was going to win that game on Saturday. Not one time. Actually, I'll extend that. There hasn't been one second during this college football season that I thought Ohio State was a better better team than Michigan. Uh, so they just they're the better team, better program right now, etc. They also have more seniors. I'm guessing I should maybe have done some research on this, but of the teams in the college football playoff top seven or eight, I can't imagine there's a team that has more seniors, legitimate seniors that have played for four or five years than Michigan does. And that's to their credit. They had a bunch of guys that came back for this year after their disappointment in the last two years in the college football playoffs. So there's that. So clearly all those things played a role in Michigan defeating Ohio State once again. All right, point part two here. Uh, the college football playoff. Uh, you know, I don't pay any attention to it in the month of November. People lose their mind. It's just a, it's a, uh, you know, basically a ratings grab for ESPN. It doesn't mean jack, as we've pointed out here for weeks. However, this November has lacked drama. You know, the top eight teams. You know, the only Ohio State became the first to of the first, the first poll four weeks ago. Ohio State's the only team in the top eight that has lost, and they played another team that's undefeated in the top eight. Other than that, um, nothing. There's been no drama, no upsets. There hasn't been a chaos Saturday. I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been anything, uh, but you know, there seems like uh, we talk a lot about the NFL and how many uh, there's a big gap between the handful of good teams. And there seems to be a lot of bad teams. I think college football has got a lot of that right there. I think the transfer portal has played a role here. Uh, there's, uh, I think the top teams have actually become better and more, I wouldn't say dominant, but I think there's a bigger separation between the top teams in college football, say the top eight, and then the other 125 because there's 133 FBS teams. I think there's a bigger separation now than we have seen in past years. Meanwhile, Tuesday night, Michigan, are they going to be number one? I think that's a legitimate question. I don't think that uh, they should be. You know, Georgia didn't do anything to lose the uh, number one role, but you know, Michigan certainly, the win at home against Ohio State, at home, that's a key phrase, like the win at home against Ohio State is better than any Georgia win this season, even though Georgia, I think, has more impressive victories, quite frankly, than Michigan has this year. But I think there's a, a legitimate question as to whether Michigan might even be number one tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes. I'm also not really sure what to look for tomorrow in the rankings other than that. Um, you know, would they 
dock Florida State at all? I mean, they struggled against Florida, and Florida obviously not a good team. In fact, Florida, you can make a pretty easy case as a bad team. Uh, but without Jordan Travis, Wanamaker did not have a great game on Saturday. Uh, they did enough, and you know, they handed the ball off and got the ball to their playmakers eventually in the second half and fourth quarter, and they won that game. So what's up with Florida State at this point? Texas. Their demolition of Texas Tech, that was probably, not probably, that was the worst pick I've made in the game this year, college or pro. I'll have Texas Tech plus 13. On, uh, we talked on Wednesday before we went on our well-deserved uh, holiday vacation. I thought that was a good bet. <laughs> and uh, it took me about less than 10 minutes into the game realizing this is a really bad idea that has no chance to win. <laughs> Uh, cover the game, let alone win the game. Texas Tech got demolished by Texas. Texas still, you know, some of their key players actually came back and played that weren't supposed to play. We uh, at least what we were led to believe last Wednesday, but unfortunately, Worthy got re-injured twice in that game. Yeah, you know, he's their best wide receiver. He got he played, started, got hurt in the first half. I was pretty surprised they actually put him back into the game. And he got hurt again, and the last I saw, he was on the sidelines, so it wasn't you know, like a you know, awful, you know, catastrophic injury, like unfortunately we saw in the you know, Michigan Ohio State game on Saturday. But you know, Worthy was he was out there still at the end. But yeah, you know, what do you do with Texas now? And the Alabama victory, um, you know, was, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, if you do the, the true serum thing to the committee. Uh, they're hoping that Alabama does not beat Georgia. <laughs> then there would be some chaos. you got to figure out what, you, what are you going to do at that point. Next up, next topic, the, uh, the college uh, football coaching carousel uh, certainly has begun. Uh, Texas A&M. I'm not sure where Mike Elko was on the list of candidates. I'm guessing he probably was not number one. Elko used to be a Texas A&M uh, defensive coordinator. Before he went to Notre Dame, and then, of course, he was the Notre Dame defensive coordinator for Brian Kelly. Uh, and then he went to you know, Duke uh, the last couple years and has done a great job. He is now the coach, head coach back at Texas A&M. Like I said, you know, there were all kinds of rumors, and there was a report that Mark Stoops was going to be the coach on Saturday afternoon. That came out, and then by seemingly within the next hour or two, uh, that was uh, erroneous and not accurately reported. So I forgot. We, I apologize. I forget which website it was. It was kind of a one of those rush to judgment things by the media, which drives me crazy. You know, they got to try to get the story right or wrong in this case, as opposed to just waiting like another hour or two, and we might actually find out who officially is the head coach. Jonathan Smith leaves Oregon State. I don't blame him for that. I know he's you know, he actually grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, but you know, he went to school at Oregon State, quarterback, came back, revived the program, which was in terrible shape after Gary Anderson was the head coach there. Uh, but Oregon State is a you know, team without a conference. So I'm not surprised he's leaving Oregon State. I was a little surprised that he ended up at Michigan State. Uh, I think it's a good fit for Michigan State. 
Michigan State needs to pretty much start over and start from scratch, and Smith has certainly shown that he is capable of doing that. I guess you got the uh, kind of the, uh, you know, not to use the Mike Hart quote or paraphrasing Mike Hart from a few years ago, the big brother and the little brother, and then it was the, uh, again, Mark uh, D'Antonio used the uh, little brother thing and all that crap uh, to the hilt when he was the head coach there. But, yeah, he's already, you know, you know, inherited a horrendous program, he being Smith, at Oregon State and competing against Oregon and all the finances and everything going against him. And, yeah, they never quite got to the Oregon level, even though they did beat him last year. Uh, but, you know, he's going to Michigan State, and obviously the similarity would be you're competing against the University of Michigan, which right now is going to be either number one or number two in the college football playoff rankings tomorrow. And is it, you know, really its highest point since uh, the late 90s when they won a national championship or co-national championship in 1997. Indiana moved on from Tom Allen, finally. Seems to be one of the nicest guys of all time. He was one of the worst college football head coaches that I've ever seen, quite frankly. Uh, arguably the worst coach in the Big Ten for the last few years. Seemed like they could have been better. However, Indiana, a basketball school, that's the basketball crazy state. That's the first obstacle, no matter who's the next IU coach is going to be. I know John Gruden supposedly is in the running here. That seems to be my first thought when I saw that story is that this is a John Gruden camp or agent or whoever generated story that just need, he needs to get his name out there in some kind of positive light. Uh, I would be really surprised if that actually happened. It would be interesting if that really happened, but uh, that's the, the one name I saw mentioned yesterday. I kind of went, hmm, okay, and I'm not quite buying it, but who knows. Uh, meanwhile, Houston moved on from Dana Horgerson, who is another guy that was just kind of in over his head. Uh, he's in West Virginia for a few years and seemed to have teams that could have done better. Went to Houston, and they moved to the Big 12 this past year and really couldn't compete against uh, you know, a better conference than the AAC, even though they brought some of the AAC schools with them. Uh, but uh, not too surprising there. I would think that this is a really good job. Um, not really, I don't have a very good list of, you know, trailer, I guess, from, uh, UTSA who did not get the A&M job, even though some people thought he should have got that job and maybe who knows, I'm guessing they didn't offer it to him because he seems like he would have taken that job in you know, two seconds, but, uh, he might be a guy to go to Houston, but that would seem to be, they certainly have finances in Houston. They're willing to pay. Uh, they seemingly have, I've never been to the Houston, you know, University of Houston campus. Well, actually I have, but many years ago, they don't have, they didn't have the facilities then that they do now. So I'm assuming that throw all it together, Texas high school recruiting, la da da that could be a pretty good job. All right. Unfortunately, we didn't get a hold of Pete in this segment. Next segment will be phone call time. If you want to jump aboard 602. 260, 1060, and also today's local roundup. That will include some Cardinals and Rams and ASU and U of A analysis, depending on phone call volume. We'll wrap up the hour with the uh, from the scoreboard portion. And then don't forget from 11 to 1 o'clock, it'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla. 
we'll go through a ton of NFL and college games from the last few days. You're listening to the Sports Show with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7 edition of the local roundup. It is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602 260 1060. And at some point in this segment, uh, there might be a fire alarm thing going on at the uh, the Hubbard compound in uh, in Phoenix here. Uh, so we might have to go to some commercial spots here, but I'll get to as much of this as I can. If you're on hold, sit tight. I'll get to you in a minute, hopefully. That's kind of the uh, semi-plan here. First up, uh, topping today's local roundup, the uh, the Cardinals were outmatched in every area on Sunday. The normally uh, press conference, I'd say, calculating uh, Jonathan Gannon questioned his team's effort in his opening uh, post-game remarks yesterday before he tried to back off on that later during the press conference when he was specifically asked about that comment. Booty, Bo- Booty Baker also seemed to question the effort of his team. Uh, they're, they're both currently correct, quite frankly. I don't think there's any way that anybody thought that they got a, a supreme effort or maximum effort out of the uh, out of the players yesterday, uh, and that's a bad combination because their roster is the worst in the NFL. That's something we've said for a long time. Uh, it's a bad combination uh, that right now that the Cardinals' current roster. Uh, to repeat from earlier, is close to the more – they look more like a final game of the preseason than they do an NFL roster on what you would expect on a Thanksgiving weekend. The Cardinals, after uh, scoring on the opening drive, didn't really compete after that. Uh, their only performance of the season that was worse was the Clayton 2 no-chance game at Cleveland. Uh, basically, on Sunday, Gannon's uh, foolish you know, second-quarter gamble – uh, took any drama out of the game for the rest of the game. That turned out to be, uh, you know, the uh, the gamble did not pay off. You know, fourth down from your own 48-yard line, incomplete pass, short field, Rams score. Basically, Gannon's choice handed the Rams seven free points uh, on a short field in a 21-8 halftime lead. Kyler Murray did not uh, deliver a winning performance for a second consecutive week, and I'm being... Yeah, I think being nice by saying winning performance after his heroic return uh, from injury in the rally against the Falcons now three games ago. He has delivered consecutive poor games. Uh, and with, that's much more than what we've seen the last two games from Murray. Much more uh, re- resembles much more what we saw throughout the majority of his NFL career, quite frankly. Mediocre at best or maybe even a little worse. His accuracy yesterday was awful. 
the bogus final numbers, don't pay attention to that. At one point, he was nine for his first 21 with a you know, an assortment of inaccurate throws, whether it be short passes, long passes, intermediate passes, all passes. He wasn't good. Uh, he accumulated a bunch of you know, bogus yards and garbage time yesterday uh, to make the final look, line look somewhat respectable. The offensive line continues to struggle. 11 games into the season, and the most basic, and I mean basic, front seven stunts from opponents are still not being picked up. This should be different. So now I'm starting to question the coaching staff. How can this happen every week? Same stuff, and it's just basic you know, defensive line stunts or maybe one blitz from an obvious blitzing linebacker, and it's just hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. This should not be a weekly occurrence of any NFL team. It's a professional team, supposedly. This should not be a weekly occurrence in the month of November. Starting right tackle Paris Johnson is not displaying first-round draft pick talent. His level of pass protection efficiency has significantly gotten worse really throughout the season. Uh, there were some plays yesterday that he just had no chance. There were a couple of plays. I wonder if he actually had the snap count correct. Uh, not good at all in his case. And like I said, it's gotten significantly worse during the season. And pass blocking seems to be, for no, it seems to be fine in run blocking. But pass blocking, he's got no shot in a lot of plays. And in fact, the, I would say the majority of plays in pass protection have not been uh, positive. Uh, you know, however, the, whatever the metrics want to say, and I don't really care what the metrics want to say. My eyes tell me he's getting whipped at the line of scrimmage by any opponent that has a legitimately decent pass rush. Meanwhile, the Cardinals defense can't stop the run. Something that we have uh, significantly pointed out now for literally weeks. Uh, you know, yesterday was another case of that. And, and I think yesterday you can say that the uh, performance on defense, especially the tackling, was also unprofessional. This is professional football. The Cardinals, uh, to paraphrase Dennis Green, are exactly what we thought they were much of the calendar year. No NFL team has a NFL talent level that is worse than Arizona. After witnessing Sunday's debacle, I wonder if the alleged culture ex actually exists anymore. And for the first time, I wonder if uh, there are uh, you know, if some players, uh, some of the few remaining good players, I wonder if they're actually questioning the coaching staff at this point. Up next, the Cardinals play next Sunday at Pittsburgh which is still bad on offense and so bad on offense that the Cardinals, uh, with a, you know, a better effort uh, and better quarterback play, might actually have a chance to compete and win that game because the Steelers, I don't think, are very good. All right, out to the phone lines. Alan Phoenix, what's going on, Al? Hey, Bob. Well, first of all, I was actually, one of the things I actually was going to say is I think the Steelers are, it's amazing they're a 7-4 and four team. Their offense is so terrible. And yet, I guess because there's so many bad uh, other teams in the NFL that have bad offenses, they've been able to actually win a, win a more games than they should. Yeah, they have a very good defense, obviously, and they have they kind they're kind of like the uh, they same colors now that I think about it. Uh, they remind me of Iowa. They're the Iowa of yeah. the NFL. Um, yeah, Kenny Pickett can't play. I mean, do we need to see any more? He's just not any good. 
Um, and the fact that he was a first round first round draft pick is a joke. Uh, I'm also also guessing that if he had not gone to the University of Pittsburgh, there'd be a much more of a clamor in Pittsburgh to get him you know out of there. Uh, but it also doesn't say much for Mitchell Trubisky if he can't be playing ahead of Kenny Pickett at this point. But whatever. Uh, but they didn't draft, you know, they didn't draft uh, Trubisky in, with the, you know, in the first round. The the Steelers drafted Pickett in the first yeah, round. Yeah, so now, there's that. But I, I don't know. They're just in uh, the coordinator change. I know they got over 400 yards, but they're still unbelievably inefficient on offense, and the quarterback is inaccurate. And then while Michigan State hiring Jonathan Johnson Smith was good for Michigan State, I wonder if he couldn't have gotten a better job because, you know, Michigan State, they're always going to be second-tier to Michigan, second-tier to Ohio State, even Penn State's beating up on them, and now you've got USC coming in. And I think maybe he could have gotten – I mean, how long does Chip Kelly have left? He's done an awful job coaching. I don't know if UCLA is a better job than Michigan State. Um, uh, just don't. Uh, I'm curious how USC and UCLA are going to recruit – leaving Southern California and going to the Big Ten. I'm not sure, especially USC. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, the Smith thing, as I mentioned uh, when I was kind of rambling along in the last segment, uh, this is a situation I think actually suits him well because he's he's used to being, you know, the second fiddle in his own state. Uh, you know, he inherited a, a similar a mess that, at Oregon State that he's in higher, uh, inheriting at Michigan State now. And uh, you know, so I, I, think, I assume that what he did at Oregon under similar at Oregon State, I should say, under similar circumstances is one of the reasons that he was, uh, you know, that Michigan State liked him or went after him. So I'm not that. I'm surprised. I was surprised at the time, but the more I think about this and more I've thought about this, I think that this is a good spot. And, you know, he obviously wasn't going to stay at Oregon State because they have no place to go unless they want to be, uh, unless they somehow think they're going to basically merge with the Mountain West and become the powers of the West Coast, uh, which is never going to happen. And then you think some program will go after Jed Fish because let's face it, I mean, if you look at his turnaround, you have to you have to be impressed. Well, the University of Florida, we mentioned this last week. Uh, I got a call last Tuesday uh, from somebody I used to work with in back in my syndicated days, who now works in Florida, and he wondered uh, if there was anything to the Jed Fish to University of Florida rumor. And I was kind of stunned by that because I did not realize until I got that phone call that Jed Fish went to the University of Florida. He wasn't a, didn't play football there, but he was actually on uh, Steve Spurrier's staff at one point. I think he started as a graduate ah. assistant and kind of moved up. Uh, now, the you know, University of Florida did not fire, uh, you know, you know Billy Napier and also uh, you know uh, I've gone blank and forgot their athletic director's name. Um, but, uh, they thought they, they lost on Saturday, uh, to Florida state. They were competitive in that game before they lost to Florida state. Uh, but they're not going to a bowl game and there was speculation that they would be fired on, you know, quickly after the game if it didn't go well. And uh, while they competed, uh, it didn't go particularly well. I don't think anybody really, that was a, that was not a good football game. That was two teams that played poorly with their backup quarterbacks as one might expect. 
Uh, so you know that was uh, that's the one job that I've heard him mentioned. He was actually mentioned for the Penn, the Michigan State job too, uh, to the point where he actually uh, Fish actually denied last week that he was interested in the Michigan State job publicly. He denied that. All right. Well, thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. All right. Good stuff. Thank you very much. All right. Next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone uh, with today's national roundup. Uh, and don't forget the uh, extra point upcoming in the next two hours. We'll have uh, more on the Cardinals. I'm pretty much you know, talked out about as far as the Cardinals. I kind of went through pretty much everything I had from yesterday in the, this segment. But I'm sure we'll add more. And uh, they were horrendous. It looked like a team that really didn't display much effort. And as we've said, literally for 12 months almost now, they have the worst roster in the NFL. Uh, and now I'm wondering about the coaching staff, too, because I see the same stuff every week that should be easily be corrected on the professional football level, which is not the several things that have not been corrected at this point. And I think that a lot of that has to do with coaching. Certainly the talent level is not good, but uh, I'm now wondering how well coached they actually are. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone. We'll see if we can make it through this whole segment before the fire alarm goes off back in the Hubbard compound in you know, Midtown Phoenix. Uh, welcome back. Final segment of the Sports Zone. All right, tonight in the NFL, the, uh, the week concludes uh, with the uh, NFC North showdown. Well, at least one team's good, I think. Uh, Minnesota hosting the Chicago Bears. And uh, Minnesota, a uh, three-point favorite in this game. And actually, there's some juice on the on the Bears side of this. Uh, total in this game sitting at 44 as a consensus numbers from the state of Nevada within the last few minutes. All right, quickly from the football scoreboard, let's start with the NFL. Jalen Hurts uh, scored from 12 yards out with 237 left in overtime. And uh, the Eagles beat the Bills 37-34 on a rainy Sunday in Philadelphia. Uh, we've seen a few of those over the years. I've actually been there a few times when it's rained. Uh, Hurts threw for three touchdowns, ran for two more. Uh, you know, Josh Allen had some good numbers, but once again threw a critical interception in this game. Yet I keep hearing people um, you know, on ESPN and uh, the athletic podcast trying to talk up how good a season Josh Allen has had so far. They're actually still sticking up for him. I don't understand it. He's made a ton of mistakes in crucial times of games, uh, but whatever. I think some of these people uh, that are talking him up, just you know, trying to not cover their own ass uh, because they liked him before the season started and they liked the Bills before the season started. Meanwhile, the, really the, the biggest thing in this game to me was Jake Elliott making that 59-yard field goal in the rain uh, with 20 seconds left to take it into overtime. The Eagles, the only 10-1 and team, in the NFL at this time. Meanwhile, the Chargers <laughs> came up short again. Stunning development. 
At this point, I think they're too far into the season. What would it would make a difference if they fired Brandon Staley now? They should have fired him after this first season, and they wouldn't be in this situation. Well, they probably wouldn't be in this situation. Who knows who they would have hired if they fired him after the first year, which they should have done, or after the second year, which they should have done, or the last few weeks, which they should have done. Uh, but same old, same old. The Chargers find ways to lose games. They certainly had an opportunity to win this game last night because the Ravens kept leaving points on the field. Uh, but the Ravens win the game 20-10. to 10. Uh, Flowers scores on the touchdown to end the game. They're near the end of the game. That covered the point spread. Thank you very much, Mr. Flowers. Uh, that was good for, uh, for me personally. Uh, the Ravens are now 9-3. and three. They finally get to their bye week. Uh, they're one game. They're number one seed in the AFC. They're uh, one game ahead of Kansas City, Jacksonville, and Miami for the best record in the AFC. Meanwhile, as uh, going back to Saturday, uh, Ohio State beat Michigan again. Uh, Rod Moore's interception in Michigan territory with 25 seconds left sealed the 30 to 25 victory for Michigan. 30 to 24, excuse me, for Michigan over Ohio State. And uh, no Jim Harbaugh there again, but uh, the Michigan finishes three and zero the last three games of the season without Harbaugh and twelve and zero overall during the regular season. Ohio State coach Ryan Day now one and three against the Wolverines, losing the last three. Uh, before that skid, um, Ohio State had won eight straight and fifteen in the last sixteen games against Michigan, including seven and zero under Urban Meyer. Meanwhile, Washington escaped. Uh, with another close victory. Uh, Adunze, Rome Adunze, his 23-yard run on fourth down put Washington into field goal range. That play was uh, you know, actually a play that started in Washington State Territory, and Washington wins the Apple Cup 24-21. Washington continues to win close games. Uh, they're uh, you know, winning every close game at this point. They have not won a game by double digits actually since September at this point. All right, that's a quick version of the National Roundup for today. Stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll get much more into the NFL and college schedule for the last few days, going back to Thanksgiving and beyond, uh, which will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's like four days of stuff. We'll do that in the next couple of hours. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.